Welcome, everyone. It's the USL Show. I am Kevin McCamish, and with me today is Ryan Allen and Pony. Um, Evan can't be with us. Um, our thoughts are out to him. Hopefully, his mom is okay. I think he's uh, something going on there, but she'll be all right. Uh, and then Phil, what? Phil's camping in Estonia, potentially. <laughs> Somewhere, maybe Estonia, maybe in the States. Who knows? Um, so, USL show is uh, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And if you visit us at theuslshow.com, click on our banner, Soccer Local Banner. You can get all kinds of free uh, good stuff there. And if you click on it and go through there, buy something, we get a little tiny bit of, it, of that. Um, helps out the show. We really appreciate that. And thank you, DK, for the sponsor there. Um, and then, of course, we are also part of the Beautiful Game Network. Very proud to be part of that. Find us on bgn.fm with many, many other amazing podcast shows. We'll get right into it. Um, news. We'll start with the news, assuming that Google uh, Docs decides to play nice. News around the league. Hartford Soccer Group announced team on Wednesday. Looks like they'll be starting to play in 2019. So yeah, they'll be going to uh, Dillon Stadium, which I think I also read around with their rumors that they'd be having a bit more renovations and additions to the stadium to help prepare them for 2019. That's good. So, and they're going. They're going to be joining USL D2. Yes, it seems like they'll be in uh, D2. They'll be joining the league alongside uh, Birmingham, El Paso, Memphis, New Mexico, and I think the Austin Club is still going along as planned, and it, unless uh, Precourt decides to do something else. <laughs> Whatever he wants to do, I suppose. He has money and money talks. So you know, Hartford's a great addition to the league. It seemed like after Rochester left it seemed weird that the only team in the new england area was the baby bulls in new jersey they it just seems like they needed another team up in that market or in that region of the nation oh and that's a, that town's a good spot for soccer too um just in general um so with uh what five six seven new teams um how many games do you think is uh, the season next season might expand to because so far i believe We've added two games every season since 2015. I could be wrong. I think it was like 28, maybe then 28 again, then 30, 32, and now we're at 34. I mean, they keep adding teams. We'll keep adding games. Although I'm sure I'd be shocked if we don't go to three conferences in 2019. Because with right. this many with this many teams, we have or clubs, we have to go three conferences now. Right, and I think three conferences could help cut down on the games because right now you're still have to play two games against everyone in your conference, and if your conference shrinks from twenty, like well, getting close to twenty teams to going down to maybe 10, 15 team range, it allows you to cut down on how many games you're going to play in the season. You might actually see a decrease in games, even though I doubt it. But thirty to thirty-six seems about the right range for next season. I'd imagine they wouldn't want to go any more than what MLS is currently doing, which MLS currently do a 34 team or a 34 match season. So if they want to stay in line and get them um, a team with 34 matches, given the current playoff setup, that'd be four plus in the playoffs. And then you'd also have open cup runs, which will range anywhere from one to pretty much all the way to the final of four or five matches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm interested when they do three conferences how the players are going to start looking because there's a it lot doesn't, of options there. It, I just, I've gone over it in my head. I can't think of a good way to do it. I know there's um, one league in Scotland called the East of Scotland League who just now reformed to a three conference setup. And I can't recall what was. I think what they did was they did the three conference champions do like a three team double round robin. And the winner of that would be considered their league winner. But I can't see that flying. Here. It's just it's an odd setup, and I can't see them doing something. I, baseball would be the only thing that's most similar to that setup. Yeah, I wonder because the only reason why I mentioned why we mentioned three conferences is because the uh, the leagues mentioned that in the past. But and I and I don't know if they would go four conferences. 
because you could make playoffs a lot easier if you do four. Obviously, t- you know, two finalists is divisible within four. Um, but I don't know how you would split up four because you basically have West Coast and then you'd be div- divvying up like the Central and then the East Coast, maybe North and South. If there's enough teams, I don't think there's enough teams in the South. I don't know how you do it, but that's yeah. the only way. If you're doing it specifically for playoffs, which I don't necessarily think you should, um, I think you should probably, like, ideally, I would like to have three conferences. I mean, almost like a closed conference system where you're just playing the teams in your conference, especially if we're going to have 10, well, let's see, 30. We already have 33 teams, right? So it's already 11 each. Add, say, six more. You're looking at, yeah, you're already looking at 13 teams in your conference. So that would be what, uh, 24 games you do home and away. So you could add, I say add six more to that. Maybe do a couple interconferences, some special games. Um, and then the playoffs, <laughs> I do not, uh, I don't envy whoever has to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. After doing three, maybe top four each conference and next best four overall points wise, something like that. Yeah, I think how it would shake out depending on what teams move to what level. Currently, we are USL sitting at 33 teams with the addition of six next year and then the supposed subtraction of Toronto FC to Cincinnati and then Nashville oh. eventually down the line. That would leave us at around 36, 37 sides. If you just, like take 36, for instance, if you did that, divided up among three, that'd be 12 conference. That'd be 12 teams per conference. If you did a double round robin there, that'd get you 22 games, and then you'd have to fill out the rest with interconference play. Which you could, that would work out better. If you did, you know, home and away, so 22 games, add 10 intraconference or, you know, across nation games, kind of like the RSL Tampa Bay special one, then you're looking Rifle. at 32, yeah, 32 games, and that works out. I don't. I hope they wouldn't do the rival only because like if I'm as far as playing conference people, I would, I like the idea of going like two games, one home, one away, call it good. The other 10 games, you know, mix it up with teams you don't play often. Um, that would, I feel that would make it, I don't know, not more balanced, but it feels to me like it could be, as balanced as you could type as you could get in a three conference system like that. Um, Cause obviously the teams are going to put more emphasis playing their, their conference opponents uh, and you're only playing them twice, once at home, once away. And then, you know, every team has the opportunity to play other teams that don't normally play for potentially 30 points, 30 extra points. Um, and, I, and there's 32 games in a season. That's plenty. I think that would work out if they did something like that as far as the conferences go and making up the games. I mean, for MLS with their 34, they do the basic 17 home, 17 road. You play everyone in your conference twice. And then the Western conference team play an additional interconference game with the Eastern conference teams playing two. And you face everyone in your, any non-conference opponent at least once. Yes. Yeah. See, I'm glad I don't make schedules. I would probably just F it up. <laughs> Every sports league in the world just needs to have an even number of teams. I know. I agree. So, uh, anyway, we'll move on, I believe. That's what I was saying there. Um, So, San Antonio got a 2-1 win over Santos Laguna in a friendly. So, congratulations to San Antonio and their fans. It's a cool cool match. Um, I didn't see that friendly. Did either of you guys watch it at all? (laughs) Nope. Not that I'm scared enough (laughs) to Let's say it might not have been broadcast even, so. Oh, that's also a possibility. So uh, I guess the news is that they won, and congratulations, and we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, that's good news for them. It's a good friendly win. Um, looks like we've got some stadium news here. Energy FC is planning for a stadium in North Oklahoma City. Um, capacity between five and 10,000. It uh, looks like they're currently averaging 3,915 people right now um, through 11 home matches. Uh, they'll have stands on all four sides of the stadium um, with a stage at one end of the stadium, kind of like FC Dallas's to- – is it Toyota Park or Toyota Stadium for Dallas? Toyota Both Stadium. of them have 
Yeah, both of the Toyota parks or stadiums in MLS, Chicago and Dallas, both have stadiums that they're in. And you can throw in Moffray Stadium with Columbus as well, also having a stadium there. But it seems like they're going like a, like, a, like a stage at the end of the stadium. Yeah, sorry, like a yeah. sorry stage. <laughs> it seems like they'll keep it like as a multi-purpose venue. I think within the plans, they're going to have one of the local high schools play football there as well. That works. Um, looks to be yeah similar to other pop-up stadiums, kind of seen being built. Um, want to give props to Burgo Burgo on MLS Reddit for the comment, and I quote. Looks like a great destination for when they relocate the Sounders. <laughs> <laughs> I do love to dig at the Sounders. Um, updated USL title odds per William Hill. Favorites include Real Monarchs and Cincinnati at 4-1. to Louis at 11-2. And Sacramento at 10-1. to um, Longest odds. Tulsa over Toronto. Really? Five thousand to one odds for for Tulsa, and only three thousand to one for Toronto too. Impressive. Uh, I wouldn't have. I kind of thought that might be the other way because I think Tulsa has a win, or am I mistaken? I think they have Tulsa a win. Tulsa does have a win. They do have a win. Yeah. So Toronto still doesn't have a win, though, right? They're still unfortunately winless. We'll see how long it goes. Don't antiquate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the betting city of the nation, Las Vegas, at one hundred to one odds to win the USL title. So, Nashville at twelve to one is a sneaky good pick. If anybody yeah. wants some money on Nashville, last I saw, Nashville, Spoke Park, and Orange County all at twelve to one seems great to me. I'll take any of those at twelve to one. I'll drop twelve bucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So, Twitter poll, Pony put it up. What's the biggest factor when disliking a team? Options were regional rivalry, on-field history, dislike of the fans, or a dislike of players slash coaches. Looks like the overall winner by a good margin, disliking the fans, 41%. Um, on-field history took 29%, regional rivalry, 24%, and dislike of players, coaches, very, very, very small margin, 6%. Um, I don't know if I voted in that poll, uh, Pony. I remember seeing it. If I did vote on it, I think I would have I was would have been in the forty one percent of disliking fans. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to me because to me, if you hate a team for the fans, it usually means you have almost no connection to them. Like you hate a team in a different conference because their fans are intolerable. Usually, if you hate a team in your own conference, it's because they're the regional rivalry or because of a history of games over multiple years. So it actually kind of surprised me because I don't think the main reason I hate teams because of the fans unless they are otherwise would be a completely neutral side to me see a lot of times when i get upset with a team that i don't have any connection to it it falls i think in two categories either maybe their front office did something stupid or offensive or compass um like that or their fans <laughs> did something stupid or did something piss me off. So, you know, I think perhaps for a lot of people, maybe the it, disliking fans falls in that sort of thing. But more often than not, if it's a team that I have no connection to, I don't particularly care about, but they've done something to upset me, it's because the front office made some bonehead mistake. <laughs> yeah, I just I think of one specific USL team where the, the front office has made bonehead mistakes and they have very vocal fans. <laughs> Which shall maybe, maybe that's nameless. what yeah <laughs> it's not like we always do everything all before um and then uh, i don't know if anybody saw on twitter usl memes boy I, I know whoever runs that account listens to us um they uh they <laughs> i the i saw this earlier today and i actually thought it was legit until i read the thing and I was like, wait, what's going on? Um, I actually have to click it so I can read it here because it's a little crazy. So Spencer Ritchie um, tweeted out, milk before the cereal, don't at me. Which you're insane, so stop playing soccer, Spencer Ritchie. Uh, the USL memes account said, breaking news, the USL in conjunction with US soccer is seeking a lifetime ban from the sport. For Spencer Ritchie, 
One league official said, such ideas have no place in today's game. We look to rid our sport of such offensive thoughts and speech. <laughs> Every single listener needs to go at Spencer Ritchie. Yes. That he is wrong. He's on Twitter at Spencer Ritchie 18 S-P-E-N-C-E-R-I-C-H-E-Y-1-8. Um, so, yeah, he likes to put in milk before the cereal. I don't know what planet he's from, and I don't even know how that works. Cereal so, before milk. The only time you pour cereal into milk is when you're getting a second bowl of cereal. Exactly. I'm not this intolerant. It's every place that matter for me. <laughs> uh, any any other comments on that, Ryan? No, I mean, not much else, I guess. Just, <laughs> no, no. Cereal is a highlight other stuff. Hot dog can be a sandwich if it wants to. Pineapple shouldn't be anywhere close to pizza. Uh, dogs wear pants in their back hind legs, and ketchup could be a smoothie. Okay, I have to stop from that last one. Because a smoothie needs to be cold and have, like, some sort of dairy in it to be a smoothie. Ketchup is ketchup in the fridge. <laughs> okay. Right. Tomatoes are fruit. <laughs> on to the soccer, though. I know it's it's crazy. Well, we'll get back on. Uh, we'll get back on topic soccer stuff. So, uh, let's go over some results from the last week, week seventeen. Right? Am I on the right one? Correct. Yes. I've, I've missed a couple episodes. I have kids. It's summertime. I've been working long break for the World Cup. That even though I haven't watched any World Cup minutes yet. Because I don't have TV, I don't have TV or money <laughs> to pay for internet to watch. Well, I mean, I have internet, but I don't have like an account, you know, to go and watch stuff. Anyway, busy, busy summer, so I'm glad to be back. Anywho, week 17 results right off the bat: uh, Orange County going away to Colorado Springs, winning one nil through a Mitchell Seaton goal in the second minute. Um, Jordan Burt missed a potentially game tying peak. K at the 80th minute for Colorado Springs. Um, Orange County led in possession. Uh, shots were in favor for Colorado Springs. Um, OC had obviously led in clearances if they got more shots at them. Um, but they got all three points. So they continue to do well. Did you guys uh, any comments on that one? Yeah, just two teams that I think we all were surprised over doing as good as they are. Orange County seems to be taking the inside track and threatening for a better spot, but neither team need to sleep on. Both can make some noise in the West as the season progresses. And it's always yeah. impressive to see a team win up in Colorado Springs. It's just only the third time this year that the Switchbacks have lost at home. Previous losses occurred to uh, Swole Park Rangers and the Portland Timbers, too, earlier in the season. But even at like a mile above, it's just impressive just for the Fortress that the Switchhacks have built there to see any team go in there and walk out with three points. Indeed. Um, also along those lines, like you guys mentioned, like kind of surprised that they're playing as well as they have. I think at the beginning of the season, preseason, I think we were both high, like, not maybe not like high, high, but I think we had both these teams kind of upper mid table. Um, I know Colorado Springs didn't start off too well, but looks like they are getting back. Um, in the swing of things, Orange County started off hot, slowed down a little bit, but looks like they're getting back in there. So, um, if I remember right, either Ryan or Pony, I think it was one of you guys said towards the beginning, very beginning of the season, if it wasn't preseason, that the MLS two sides have a tendency to start much better at the beginning of the season and then trail off midway through the end of the season. Um, and there's been a couple teams, two sides, I've seen that happen. So neither of these sides are, so obviously they're doing well. <laughs> For reference, in our first uh, uh, aggregate power rankings at the start of the season, Colorado Springs was ranked ninth in our Western Conference ranking, and Orange County was ranked 10th. Currently at the moment, Colorado Springs is 8th, and Orange County is outperforming that prediction at 5th. Okay. So I was right. They were right there in the middle. I was thinking low playoff spot, so I was a little bit off, but um... – but yeah, so uh, next game, Reno, 1868, hosting Real Monarchs SLC and winning 3-0. That's a little bit surprising over the best team in the West. Um, 
Reno goals from Louis Fernandez in the 32nd minute. Brian Brown with a brace, scoring in the 57th and 68th minute. Um, of course, Brian Brown also missed a PK in the 79th that could have given him a hat trick. So that's two missed PKs in the first two games of that week. Interesting. Yeah, this is very reminiscent of both teams last season where Reno started the season looking like they're going to be awful. And the Monarchs started on an amazing hot streak. And last year, Reno caught fire maybe about a month and a half, two months into the season. And the Monarchs kind of walked off the cliff around the halfway mark and turned into the clear runaway favorite to limping to the first place. And it's starting to look like they might do it again this year. I think it's more impressive from Reno because they lost a lot of their top players. They're on a great win streak right now. I'd like to see if they could sustain it as they play more of the top teams. Because they have played a lot of good teams, but there's very few teams who have played in that run and go, oh, they're a favorite to actually do something. Mm-hmm. But but still, if you could rattle off a double-digit win streak against teams who are even average, more power to you. Yeah, absolutely. And in three matches from now, you'll have Reno playing uh, the Grand Monarchs on the road on August 8th, which could be a potential one and two matchup if current trends and highlight that currently uh, Monarchs are in first place of the West at 38 points. Phoenix is in second with 35 and Reno's just in third with 34. Yeah, Reno started off pretty slow and I'm a little surprised they've climbed up so high, but but uh, especially like like Pony said, losing some of their good players. Um, Lost three of their first four matches. Man, third place. And since then, have gone 15 unbeaten in league play and, and 15 of 16 in all matches with their only loss coming in the Open Cup 1-0 to Sacramento. Impressive. Very impressive. It sounds like good things are happening in Reno this season. Um, so yeah, Real Monarchs better, uh, better watch out. So up next now, actually wait, before we move on. So Real Monarchs, if they're coming to a skid, quick question. Does anyone think it's related to their coaching issue? No, they did the same thing last year. They were the best team by far happy this season. And then they became just a solidly above average team. I think that's going to happen again this year where worst case they are going to be the number two seed. It's so weird that like the two sides seem to do that. Start off hot and then cool off. So right now, I'd still say the Monarchs win the Shield. I'd, I, I think you're right. I'd be shocked if they didn't, because um, there's just too much talent there, uh, as at like the USL level to just to just you know gain all those wins and points and then completely shit the bed. <laughs> Um, all right, so up next we had Phoenix, uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Sorry, Pittsburgh Riverhounds 2-0 over North Carolina. Um, Pittsburgh goals from Cristiano Francois in the 45th, Kevin Kerr in the 71st. Looks like uh, there was a rain delay prior to the match. Um, there's a good pick out there on Twitter if you can find it. <laughs> Lots of clearances on the night, 33-29 to 29, uh, North Carolina having that advantage in the clearances. Uh, very disciplined, though. Pittsburgh led nine over six in fouls, um, 3,811 people in attendance. Um, that was a good game. I watched that, and I really enjoyed it. I think uh, was it Hugh Roberts had a really good good save there. I'm, I'm, either, that, either that or I'm thinking of a different game. But what did you guys think? It seemed like a standard uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. When I mean two 0 you have Kevin Kerr scoring at seventy one and NC led possession at fifty nine point two percent of the time, and yet Pittsburgh were able to make the most of their chances, getting thirteen shots in the match with seven on target. It just seemed like Pittsburgh took care of business what they need to do on the fourth. Yeah, I mean this is Pittsburgh is good. They're arguably the best team in the East. North Carolina is probably not a playoff team. This is exactly what you expect a Lily team to do: is go out and beat somebody they should. By a score of one or two to nil, but more often we would expect it to be one nil, right? Well, it's also <laughs> against a team probably shouldn't be in the playoffs at this point. North Carolina's been having all sorts of issues. That's true, as we'll get to later. Yes, 
um up next current elo ratings of pittsburgh is the best team in the eastern conference at the moment though just slightly ahead of cincinnati they have the most shutouts in the league too right i believe so yes because t because t2 fell off they were holding holding steady with them i think for one or two weeks or even ahead of them and then they just they fell off so it would be uh pittsburgh i think all alone with the most since they continue to be very a very good defensive team and getting multiple goals a game that'll win you some championships if it, uh, most of the time um up next tampa bay rowdies over toronto fc 2 3 1 rowdies goals from hitterstov in the eighth minute taylor in the 54th joe cole in the 79th um toronto got an own goal from akira fitzgerald uh in the 58th minute so tampa bay rowdies scoring four goals in a 3-1 win <laughs> uh Tampa Bay Rowdies led 16 to 1 in shots, 6 to 0 in shots on target. Um I, that sounds more like one team showed up. Are, are we sure that I mean I know Toronto's had some bad luck, but good lord. Yeah, I think they're I think still so. suffering from their relegation against Charleston. Yeah, I think this is actually the second time this season in the USL that a team has scored a goal with zero shots on target. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, actually, with the way this season's gone. I think you're right. I mean, I would have no clue who it was, but it seems like at some point there was somebody that had an own goal or something that helped them. I, I think it was Los Dos playing someone. I forget who, but it was like an own goal off a corner. One in their like first five six games where they only scored two goals. Yeah, I think that was one of those too. It's one of the very early <laughs> games. And then Los Angeles proceeded to score eight in their past two games. Yeah. Well, I think when they figured out that they can just try to score more goals than their opponent, the hell with de- defense. Uh, it it makes for entertaining soccer, and I think it's worked out for them. Pony, so. I think that match you're thinking of was the uh, 1-1 draw between Fresno and Los Dos at the start of the season when uh, Michael Daly scored that own goal for the um, Los Dos at the third minute, and then they did nothing the rest of the match, and it took an Alex Cooper yep. equalizer at 75. Yep, you bring it up. That's exactly the game I was thinking of. <laughs> All the numbers that Fresno killed him, but oh, he got the draw somehow. <laughs> That's right. Throw that back. was in Fresno. Yeah, they were really liking the draws, weren't they? Um, up well, speaking of own goals, Indy 11 0, Ottawa Fury 1. Indy 11 scores the goal for Ottawa. Carlisle Mitchell in the 28th minute with the own goal. 62% possession lead to Indiana. Um, 15 to 6 shots total, 4 to 2 shots on target. Both uh, of those, Indiana taking the advantage, um, but not all the points. So. My hat off to Ottawa Fury for getting a valuable three points on the road at Indy 11. Um, crazy. 11,025 people in that one, too. Yeah, that's disappointing for Indy. They're looking like a team that's probably going to be one of the only ones who can catch that top four in the West or in the East. But you never really know with Ottawa. They're a team who every once in a while actually shows up and becomes really, really good. They're one of those wild card playoff borderline teams. So. Both of them would be good to watch moving forward to see if Indy can actually challenge for the top four spot. And if Ottawa can get into that 7-8 seed, that could be a dangerous team. But this game seems like, with leading 35 clearances to 11 for Ottawa, I feel like they... I didn't watch it, so I can't say for sure, but that that kind of makes me... And the only goal coming as an own goal, it makes me feel like maybe Ottawa was... Uh, how do you put it? Parking the bus? <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, like as much as sometimes it bothers me when I watch teams, you know, go really hard defensively and tr- just trying to prevent a goal from going in against teams that I support, you know, or game management, all that stuff. That's part of the game. So whatever it takes to get three points is what you got to do. Whether you're playing against my team or you are my team, whatever it takes to get three points, right? Yeah, and especially you could park the bus for 70 minutes. Like the goal came for the 30th minute. You could shut it down for 70 minutes or I guess 60 minutes. I mean, more power to you. You could do that. You deserve the three points. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, because it, it does take skill to keep the ball out of the net um, when you are allowing the opponent to go at you as much as teams at Park do. Um, so, you know, when you when it works out, like like I said, more power to you. Um, Indy seem like one of the best sides to be able to park the bus against, since if you look at their past four matches that they've played, they scored two against Charlotte. Hey, they were shut out by Ottawa, and then they've only scored three others in the combined against Nashville and Penn. It's just not a high-scoring team with only 22 goals on the year. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, up next, San Antonio and Oklahoma City Energy splitting the points there. Uh, 1-1 draw. San Antonio getting the goal in the 77th minute. Oklahoma City getting it and going up first in the 68th. Um, San Antonio's next two matches uh, against Orange County and Real Monarchs. Um, so they're against are against teams in the top five. So um, I think anything that San Antonio can do to get points, they will probably want to be able to do. Ryan, Tony, anything on this one? Yeah, I mean, this is basically a game that you expect to be a draw nowadays. I'm trying to find real quick the, I think it was like their seventh or eighth draw all time, and it's been three years. <laughs> so these teams match up very well, no matter what happens. So it'll be interesting to watch them going forward, see if they can actually, one will actually start beating the other, but regional rivalry and no one could ever come out and talk crazy oh well, up next we've got seattle sounders two uh taking their typical loss so park rangers visiting and scoring two goals leaving with three points um even despite going down a man looks like uh matthias silva got a red card in the 21st minute um so so park rangers were up one nil before that Felipe Hernandez scoring in the 10th. Um, and then they went up 2 0 through a Haji Barry PK in the 65th minute, um, which was actually the second PK in that one. Haji Barry had also missed his first one in the 59th minute. Um, would have given him a brace, would have made it a 3 0 game. So um, against 10 men, Seattle Sanders 2 continued to just not do anything. <laughs> I'm fine with that because my own team is not doing well. So. I just like to see the rival can also do as be more horrible than my team currently. <laughs> it's hard to understate how bad Seattle is right now. I think you could actually make the argument they are worse. They are the worst two in the West. They've looked horrible. I mean, they they were down a goal before they went up a man, but they gave up two PKs. Granted, only one of them went in, but. Even playing a good team, you shouldn't go negative goals when you're up a man for 70 minutes. And this was a, a returning habit of theirs this week, as we'll talk about later. <laughs> but well, the, and the funny Seattle thing looks too, lost. They look completely lost. And there's and going up a man, then giving up two penalty kicks. I mean, it, it was Swope Park won two 0 but it obviously could have been worse. Like the Hajibari could have had a brace, could have been three nil. Um, it seems that Seattle likes to do things like they like to copy Portland. So Portland <laughs> wins MLS cup first, then Seattle finally wins MLS cup. So T2 has the, one of the worst seasons in USL history. Seattle's like, no, 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 we can do it better. Seasons in USL history. Got to copy Portland. That seems to, I think that's how that works out. So, if T2 do make the playoffs this year, then maybe Seattle 2, Sounders 2 will be like, we'll make the playoffs next year. Okay, Seattle's not that bad. They're not good, but they're not that bad. <laughs> Seattle has slipped yeah, over Tulsa in the table at the moment with Tulsa at 12 points and 16th Seattle and Evansville place with 11 points. Though I will say the Sounders 2 have two matches in hand over the Roughnecks. Also, T2 only gained 15 points through an entire season in Seattle. Sanders have 11 already, and there's still quite a number of games. There's half the season left. So I think you're right, Pony. They're not going to be Portland bad. Yeah, but I still think you could easily say that they're the worst team in the West right now. Oh, probably. I mean, I would always say that, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think it's actually true this time around. 
Um, following that one, we've got Penn FC versus Bethlehem Steel in a battle of the Pennsylvania State. What is what is it? Is it what's are they the Sans Pittsburgh? No, I I know Pittsburgh too, but like California is the Golden State, Oregon's the Beaver State. What's, they're the Keystone State. But I don't think Bethlehem was included in that rivalry. Why? They're in the state. <laughs> Aren't they named after the state? I don't think so. <laughs> no, they're not. But I mean, I don't I'm know where Penn is. Neither from. was Penn. Yeah, Penn, Penn just came out of nowhere, right? Fresh, know, brand, brand new, new team. Yeah, brand new team, no history whatsoever. Um. Anyway, Who did Sacramento beat in the 2014 USL final? Then I don't know, but it wasn't. It was. It was some other team. It had nothing. Nothing to do with Penn. Island, so I don't know. Minnesota, Great Lakes. Oh, Puerto Rico. Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Oh, it's Puerto, Puerto Rico Island. That was a team. Yeah, that was a team. Right. Rhode Island. Except Rhode Island's not an island. Parts of it. Is. No logic. Oh yeah. What is it? Rhode Island is an island, and I'm sure they have a few roads there. That's what they're named for. Roads on an island. I love it. Anyway, uh, great analysis of a game. I know. So Penn FC beats Bethlehem Steel 3-2. Um, Penn with the goals in the 20th, 25th, and 55th minutes. Bethlehem Steel with the goals in the 17th and a PK in the 82nd. Um, Bethlehem Steel now, unfortunately, just one win in the last five minutes or last five matches. Uh, loss ended a streak of five straight matches unbeaten for Steel. So um, I, I, I like the steel i want to see them do very well i feel they've got some good players there some players that i was excited about in preseason so i'm always kind of sad to see them lose um especially since they're evan's team and i like evan evan's cool i hope he's doing great tonight yeah um, i mean uh, steel are good but Penn is actually also good they were a team we all completely wrote off to start the season no one true. thought they'd be anywhere near the playoffs yet alone more than one or two spots out of the bottom of the table but well, I mean, that surprised me. When you when you make a brand new team from scratch with absolutely no history, like, should you expect them to be good? <laughs> They're yeah. basically an expansion team, right? I mean, we all picked Penn as the fifteenth team in our preseason rankings, and they put thirty shots past or on Bethlehem in that match on Friday night. That's crazy. Yeah, Penn could be a very, again, they're a good example of a scary team who might sneak into the playoffs. Currently four points out of a playoff spot in 12th. Or, sorry, they are currently in a playoff spot. I misspoke. Sorry, I was thinking of Ottawa. Is there any of, like, I don't remember. in eighth. When Remember when we did the draft of picking teams? Did anyone pick Penn FC, or were they one of the three that we left on the side? No, it was Penn, Vegas, and Seattle. Penn, Vegas, Seattle, was the ones no one's took. Well, I'm kind of surprised that one of those three teams will actually give some points to the the Twitterverse. You got yeah, it, fans. Group of you know, people who have three teams. <laughs> Become a fan of the brand new Penn FC. Yes, exactly. Um, speaking of teams I'm kind of a fan of, New York Red Bulls 2 over Atlanta United 2, 6-1. Tons of goals from New York Red Bull. They like to turn it on sometimes, and when they do, there's lots of goals. Um, they scored in the 17th, the 30th, the 56th, the 71st, the 73rd, and a PK in the 90th minute. Um, Atlanta got one for Atlanta. <laughs> That's right. And an own goal in the 81st minute. So they actually scored seven goals in a 6-1 win. Uh, Got to love those type of games. So it's a win for New York, ending a four-match winless skid. 26 goals from New York have come um, during wins. 36 total goals scored. Um, aside from their win over Toronto to start the season, two to one, New York have scored at least four goals in each win. So, um, like like I said, when they turn it on, uh, get out of their way. <laughs> Atlanta United two now on a seven match winless streak. Atlanta have not scored a goal of their own since May nineteenth. Um, I don't feel so bad about my Timbers two anymore. <laughs> They did have two own goals during that period, and more impressively, with uh, New York scoring seven goals in the night, they had seven different goal scorers throughout that entire evening, just showing like how potent the entire team was just for finding the back of the net. Yeah, it's Atlanta's true. Defense, Atlanta's defense is horrible, though, at this point. 
they've allowed three or more goals in six of 16 games. I mean, it's the, yeah, their season is basically over. It's just going to be a, they're the team you try to pad your resume against at this point. <laughs> they did so, have 25 clearances on the night. Yeah, well, it didn't do them very good, did it? <laughs> so what? So if New York scored seven goals, they had 28 shots and 12 on target. Six goals out of 12 on target is not too shabby. 50% conversion rate, that's, that's, that's good. 698 people in attendance, really? Only 698 people in New York wanted to watch their team beat someone else? New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey, that's right. Well, there's a reason. There's, there's a problem. Why? Um, the match we've all been waiting for, North Carolina versus Charleston Battery. 1-1. One, one. It was a draw. Um, Charleston went up first through Guerrero in the 63rd minute. North Carolina came back, got the draw in the 81st minute through Daniel Rios. Um, poor passing from North Carolina to set up the Charleston goal. Um, and we also, uh, I'll let you guys talk about the final minute of the match, because I think both of you are really itching to do that, so I won't steal your thunder. Go for it. Either of you. Yeah, if you have not watched about the last 30 seconds of this match you are missing one of the greatest spectacles in the history of the usl there are a few games i'd say you have to watch the last little bit of but this has to be one of them it was i mean it it almost looked like a scripted tv show it was that comical it's it just <laughs> yeah it's one of those where North Carolina should have scored four or five times and through either pure luck, bad play, or spectacular saves, they were unable to. I think one of them came off the post, right? Yep. They did have an off-the-line clearance by a defender and off the post. It was a wizarding theme night at uh, Wake Pitt Soccer Park for that one, so I'm going to guess there was a bit of magic involved in that. But I was watching that live, and all I could think of in that entire time was just score, score. Just you, you could score there. You, uh, you had four chances at goal at that time, and it just seemed so unlikely that they just didn't score on any of them. It's like me playing FIFA 18 online. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, this got picked up by all the soccer social media sites. I mean. By the time the season is over, this might be in the top three most viewed USL plays of the season. Well, it was like I saw it on Sports Center. Well, if you make Sports Center, then I think Carolina should be shaming the hanging their heads in shame. Um, I remember it was in the last thirty seconds, so we're like ninety six thirty in seven minutes of stoppage time, and and you're right, you've got uh, like four different chances to get all three points and you just can't do it. I'd, I'd kill myself. if I, I'd be so disappointed if I was a fan. I'd be like, no. Officer Charleston for not letting in the goal there, though. I say, and also if you listen to the announcer, he's actually laughing by the end of it. And it's the home <laughs> announcer for North Carolina. So that's a bonus, too. Uh, I'm going to go back and watch it and see, because... I, I, I want to watch it again with, with some sound. <laughs> um, up next, Indy 11 gets a win this time over Charlotte Independence, going 2-1. Um, Charlotte went up first in the 50th. Indiana comes uh, gets the from-behind win, scoring the 62nd and the 70th minute. Um, Charlotte had a player sent off with their second yellow card in the 77th minute. So this leaves Indiana with one loss in their last seven matches, which was, of course, the one we just talked about. Charlotte have now gone winless in their last seven matches, but have scored at least one goal in each of those seven matches in that time. Anything else, guys, in this one? Yeah, Charlotte's in end of the season form right now. Last year they collapsed with about two months left in the season. This year they just decided to do it halfway through the season. I mean, maybe they could bounce back this time, but... This is a theme for Charlotte. It's going this long run of being looking from being a team like, oh, okay, they're a playoff team to, boy, what's wrong with this side? And they've done that much earlier this year. Hopefully they could bounce back because they're always a fun team to watch. They just need to watch out for those red cards. They've had a lot recently. 
Yeah, I mean, this one is a... Yeah. Yep, yep. All right. Yeah, second yellow is still a red card. I was... I'm not... Why Why would I try to argue with it on that? I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> it's been a long day. One to two. Um, Louisville going up in the 22nd minute. Tampa Bay Rowdies equalizing in the 71st. And then Louisville getting all three points in the 76th minute. Um, two years ago, I think you probably would have uh, likened this to Bayern Dortmund. Kind of a type of match for the Eastern Conference. Um, but yeah, not so much with Tampa Bay Rowdies, unfortunately. Two wins in their last 10 matches. Both of those against Toronto FC 2. So... Uh, yeah. Um, the once unbeatable at home Rowdies have now lost two matches at home this season, unfortunately. So, what do you guys think? Fall from glory a little bit on with this side? Rowdies are currently outside of a playoff spot at the moment, and I, it just seems so difficult for them to find a way into the playoffs when their last two wins in their last ten matches were both against Toronto. And they, they can't keep playing Toronto for the rest of the year. I just seem like it's very difficult to find their way into a playoff spot. Yep. Yeah, both these teams are really underperforming for what we thought they were going to be. A lot of us thought Tampa and Louisville, that's their one and two team in the East. But Louisville's trying to hold on to about that number four seed in Tampa. It's just going to be happy with the playoff spot at this point. In fact, um, in our preseason rankings, first ones on uh, March 13th, Evan and uh, Pony both put down Tampa as the number one team out in the Eastern Conference at the moment. And in fact, with Phil as well, with Kev, you and I were the only ones to choose Louisville. I think at this point, wrong. I know. And it's Pittsburgh for the win. Um, or Nashville. Or Nashville. In fact, Evan and Phil and Pony both put Tampa, or, or sorry, all put Tampa as the number one team in the league at the time. Well, that was four well, months ago. Come on, man. Things happen. Come on. <laughs> Things happen. I know. I... <laughs> well, at least that going for me. <laughs> Real quick, uh, RGV. Drawing Tulsa Roughnecks at home 1 1. Uh, you literally only need to watch this game for three minutes from the 75th to 78th minute. That's it. Because RGV goes up in the 75th, Tulsa equalizes in the 77th, and that's it. 1 1. Moving on. Oklahoma City Energy drawing Colorado Springs at home. Uh, that's also a 1 1 draw. Oklahoma City scoring the 16th, Colorado Springs in the 48th. Um, Oklahoma City going unbeaten in the last five. Scoring in their last nine matches, so they're improving there as well. It's good, good to see there. Um, anything on Oklahoma City or Colorado Springs? Uh, Oklahoma City's getting better. They went from being one of the worst teams in the West to, I mean, they could maybe make the playoffs if they get really hot, but they're going to be probably a spoiler team. We're going to cause a few teams to miss playoffs down the road. I had my Chrome freeze up on me a little bit. Apologies for that uh, <laughs> dead air. My computer is not enjoying, like, <laughs> it doesn't like me right now. I don't know why. Um, up next, Nashville drawing FC Cincinnati. Nil, nil. Um, third nil, nil draw for Nashville. First nil, nil result for Cincinnati. Um, but they are also unbeaten in league play through their last seven. Cincinnati, that is. Um, what do you guys think on this one? You, I believe, Nashville, you got a hot take, Pony. Yeah, I was saying before it started. I think the winner of this one probably could be the favorite to win the East. Of course, it's true. So that kind of went out the window. But <laughs> I think Nashville still is favored over Cincinnati to me, mostly because if they could get results against top teams. I know I've told Cincinnati this for a long time. They always get mad that. Against the top four, they languish, and they're doing it again this year. But I still want to see them beat one of the 
elite sides. But I think Nashville, this is points lost for Nashville more than it was points saved for Cincinnati, maybe. I don't think Cincinnati had even had a shot on target until the final five minutes when they finally came to life and looked like they might be able to take all three points. But it was an interesting, it was an interesting game, Alex. I think Nashville is the better team, especially in Nashville. But it'll be good to watch down the road. I could easily see this being the final in the East right now. If not, maybe a 2-3 seed type matchup or 1-4 depending on how things break. You know, big props to the supporters for that night to get 18,000 down there at uh, the Nissan Stadium. I saw a lot of photos from Cincinnati's traveling support and a lot from the um, Nashville support there as well. Yeah, we need to see a lot of games. Games like this are good. Games against two top-tier teams. They're always fun to watch, always good to enjoy. I'm always watch to watch the fan banter, which sometimes starts turning into please be quiet. So <laughs> be careful of that, fans. If the, you turn off the neutrals, you find out the line. But good overall. All right, uh, assuming that you guys can still hear me because I continue to have connection issues. Um, up next, Orange County versus LA2. Um, LA2 gets the win, 3-0. Goals from Zubac, Lopez in the 23rd, and Hernandez in the 52nd. Um, LA was shown a second yellow card to Acheyamapong. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. In the 45th minute, um, but still got the win, so them five of orange county's six losses this year have seen the side shut out in defeat and la have scored eight goals in the past two matches like ryan had mentioned earlier yeah what do you guys think on this one la is probably the most confusing team in the league they could one week look like they're a complete wreck have no business playing in this league at all and the next week they look like they could be they are one of the single best teams in the league and light-up teams who usually are okay on defense or at least don't allow this many goals in the game. I'm not sure if this is more of a, I guess, indictment on how Orange County plays or they just got unlucky to play Los Dos when Los Dos decided to play very good. But it'll be interesting to watch LA down the road. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but like I talked about with OKC, they could easily destroy a few teams season once we get down the road and someone looks at me and goes, we need this win to make the playoffs and LA decides to win 7-3 for some reason that night. It, I mean, it does seem like they're able to, to pull those things out when they kind of want to. Or at least I mean, get in there. This is just like the complete opposite of what you would see for any win. I mean, OC led at 67.7% possession. They led in shots 13-6 and 6-3 on target. This seems like everything is lined up to win for OC to get a goal, maybe two in it, and yet they are shut out and L.A. walk out of there with all three points. Uh, must have been a good counterattacking match. <laughs> um, up next, uh, Sacramento drew at home to Real Monarchs. Um, so Real Monarchs are continuing to struggle for results. Um, any comments on this one, gentlemen? I think this is more points lost for Sacramento. They look the better team, but just have been having problems converting as of late. We'll see how this continues on because this team had a lot of problems converting in the last season, and that really frustrated the fan base. If that continues to happen, that's going to be a, a problem. <laughs> but it's one of those where Monarch got outplayed. They got a point, and that's what we kind of expect for a team who is arguably the best team in the West. And... Like I said, points lost for Sacramento. Hope it doesn't haunt them too much down the road as they try to hold on to gain the home field game. Um, after this one, we've got Las Vegas beating St. Uh, St. Louis 1-0 at home. Um, Las Vegas getting the goal in the 49th minute. They've now scored in their last four matches. Um, St. Louis winless in the last four matches. Um, anything on this one? No, not at all. 
It was a boring game. I believe it was quite the boring match, which, like uh, Ryan here has a note, it's probably something we never thought Las Vegas would be associated with. They are far from boring. But there were long <laughs> <they try>? <laughs> Yep. I mean, it reminds me of the thing I saw on Twitter this week from uh, the New England Revolution Seattle Sounders match in MLS where they had it was a new no draw and they condensed their highlight thing down to um uh I think it was like 41 seconds basically it was kickoff sights of the fans halftime sights of the fans full time sights of the fans <laughs> that's brilliant uh, we'll have to go back through and find it but it, that was just kind of what this match for Las Vegas signified I mean the possession was like very even with Las Vegas and a slight advantage at 50.5 it was six to three in the shots total, but shots in target it was just that one goal Las Vegas scored. St. Louis failed to get a shot on target, and, and then you just have a uh, thirty-five to twenty-three clearance lead for St. Louis. I just it just doesn't seem like a match that on paper would jump out at anyone. If you watch the goal, you get the gist of the entire match. Pretty much. Um, last game in the East to talk about: Ottawa Fury um, hosting Pittsburgh Riverhounds and losing. 1-0, just like a probably team should be winning, right? 1-2-0. Um, the goal scored by Hugh Roberts in the 22nd minute, who uh, was also good. He's got himself uh, uh, in the backyard. What was it called? Backyard footy is his podcast? I believe so. All right. Check it out, bgn.fm. Not only does he score goals, he has good uh, podcast episodes as well. Um, eight to two shot lead for Pittsburgh, four to one in shots on target uh, advantage. Pittsburgh there as well. Classic lily ball trademarked by Ryan Allen. <laughs> uh, any questions Pittsburgh on the last game show. of the East? It's lily ball. If you let Pittsburgh play lily ball, you are not going to win. Not at all. That's how it works. Um, over in the West, Pacific Northwest to be specific, the final two games that we're going to mention. Well, actually, we have one more. Well, we won't get to week 18. <laughs> it's been long enough. Two more games. <laughs> Pacific Northwest. Sounders 2, losing at home. Torino 18, 68, 2-1. Seattle scored a goal. Good for them. Reno came back in the 59th minute through a PK and scoring the game winner in the 70th. Even, guess what? Down a man again. Reno goes down a man again. Uh, well, I mean, not them Again, but faced a team with a goal and still uh, lost. So that just sucks. <laughs> Seattle's bad. Yes, I, yeah, it's as simple as that at this point. I think you, Seattle, I think is the is the team you circle in the West for three points. I mean, this Although, is an indictment of how bad Seattle's played. I can't. You, it's different. I can't recall how many times this season, but if you go up a man in the match and you already had a goal score at that point, that almost seems like you should be able to take advantage of that. But no, they managed to fall behind and just there's no way to recover from it in the match. Yeah, it would seem. <laughs> I mean, in their next two fixtures aren't going to be any better for Seattle as they have to go on the road to play at Real Monarchs and at Phoenix. Well, both of those teams are circling three points, easy three points right there. Deep um, calling. The other Pacific Northwest team, Portland Timbers 2, not doing a whole lot better right now. Um, they lost to Fresno 4 2. Um, Pony's favorite player, Juan Pablo Caffa, got a brace for Fresno. Um, Portland scored a PK in the 36. Uh, Marvin Loria brought it up uh, a second goal in the 79th minute, but Fresno were pretty much runaway winners at that point. Um, that is a four straight losses for Portland. Um, just one win in the last six matches, so they are definitely coming back down to earth. Um, yeah, it wasn't very good. <laughs> I got nothing to say about the game other than like, well, it's just seems to be what's going on right now. I was uh, curious, though. I saw they were playing at uh, Merlot Field for University of Portland. Is mm -hmm. that going to be the current setup for the rest of the season, or are they going to like split time between that and Providence? They've been splitting time. Uh, um, a lot of it, I think, has to do with the construction of Providence Park. 
Um, they've, I think this was their second or third game of the season at Merlot. So they'll have more of their home games there at the end of the season. Cause they're going to have eight total at Merlot and nine total at Providence park. So they've, they've done, I think most of the Providence park stuff and then they'll start doing more at Merlot field. I always like it a lot better when they're at Merlot field. Um, it's a lot easier for me to get to, although I wasn't able to make yesterday's game cause I was in a different state. But um, most of the time, it's really easy for me to get to Merlot. I like going there a lot more than I like going to Providence Park for the T2 games, um, specifically. I love going to Providence Park for Timbers and Thorns. <laughs> yeah, for us, that that one team team of, oh, sorry, for us, it seems that team where they're just one piece away from being very dangerous. Out of their last 10 games, they have four zero one one losses right now. So they're, they're just so close to being a team who actually could live up to a bunch of preseason hype. Do you think that this match, this 4-2 win over Portland, is the step in the right direction then? Getting there? What are they What are they missing? I think just consistent scoring. I mean, that's been there. Like I said, they have have they have those four losses, 1-0, all against pretty good teams. That was two to the Monarchs, one to Sacramento, and one to Colorado Springs. They're just that one piece away from being able to take points from the top teams. They're still pretty good in my book. Yeah. Well, I mean, Fresno had six shots on target and converted four of them. Um, they were they did very well on their conversion rate at Merlot Field last night. Yeah, yes, yesterday. But anyway, that would be it for Week 17. Um, real quick, Week 18 results just happened. Penn FC losing to Richmond Kickers 1-2. Uh, to two. And that will end on that. We can probably discuss, discuss more of that on the next show. Um, anything else from you guys before we sign off? Everybody enjoy the World Cup final on Sunday. I still predicted France at the start of the tournament to win it all. That's still alive. Although I'm hoping it'd be an England-Belgium final so I can have eight Spurs players in the final. <laughs> ah. That's what the world needs. So the nice thing about that, since we're talking about that, is on my bracket in my group of friends, I I have to double check, but before the quarterfinals, I was like 40 points ahead in my bracket um, because I predicted up to the quarterfinals the top half perfectly. And I had France and Germany in the final with France winning. So the bottom half of the bracket completely destroyed. I don't care what happens down there, but I do want France to at least make the final I'm just guarantee I can get to the, like, at least hopefully win the bracket. Um, I don't think any of my other friends picked France to win, so hopefully I'll be good. I really think the best match is going to be France versus Belgium because whoever wins that match is probably going to win the World Cup. I have to say. What do you guys think? I agree with that. I'm just kind of pulling for Croatia because I've been my we did a draft of all the teams, kind of a snake draft type one, and I caught Croatia in the second round, and as long as it's not England winning the World Cup and guaranteed top three so I get money back. So, as I, long I as it's not coming home. Well, I'm, I'll tell and, and you, Ryan being a Spurs fan, I don't want England to win, specifically because I don't like Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Liverpool fan, so... I just don't want I don't want England to get big heads over a, a World Cup win. I don't I don't know. I, I feel like their fans and the players will get a little uh, uh, annoying if they win. True. <laughs> so I'm Everton, cheering. So I'm cheering for France. France. Viva la France in this cup. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> so like we'll say if it's in England Belgium final. Well, I I do think it will finally give us the match we deserved. Like at the end of Group G, I felt like we were just kind of robbed of what potentially could have been a very fun match to watch. Two very high-scoring teams when both were already assured a spot in the next round. Belgium obviously or won that one one nil, but like you saw, neither one of the team really played a bunch of their starters. If you put them in the final, that makes it most high stakes. I mean, you have side Jordan Pickford. It'd be as close to a Premier League All-Star game as we could possibly get. That's true. We're <laughs> so, waiting for England. England, it we're gonna do it at some point in time. I, I mean, honestly, if England they won a, sh- a penalty shootout, so hell has pretty much frozen over, right? More or less. 
I will say if either Belgium or Croatia do win the World Cup, sorry, I'm currently looking at my world map of the results. They will be one of the few sides, I think, to have done so without losing a single match during the World Cup. I think you're right. And on that bombshell, we will end it. Again, you can catch us at theuslshow.com. Um, I am Kevin at PDX. Ryan is at ILM underscore Ryan. Did I get Correct. that one right? Excellent. Correct. And then I could never forget the pony at Iron Pony Chef, the best Twitter Got handle, it. I think, in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody have a great week.